I started studying for this on Wednesday because I was planning on having a different sermon ready, talking about community and an opportunity to just grow together with one another. And then this hits and it's like, we have to talk about this. And so in, in thinking through all of these things and doing the research, like it broke my heart to think of the fact that maybe some of you here in this room might be struggling with something like this as well. Um, the statistics on suicide are mind-boggling that I literally had to take more than like 20 breaks as I'm reading through all these different stats on suicide and depression and loneliness and things like that. Suicide itself is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. The 10th leading cause. Claiming the lives of nearly 45,000 people as of 2016. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34. There were more than twice as many suicides in the United States as there were homicides, murder. Um, in 2016 alone, 13,525 people between the ages of 10 to 34 committed suicide. 8% of youth in grades 9 through 12, that's high school, reported that they had made at least one attempt to kill themselves in the past year. Girls attempted twice as often as boys. The Center of Disease Control, the CDC, says this, every day approximately 105 Americans die by suicide. There is one death by suicide in the U.S. every 12 minutes. There is one suicide for every estimated 25 suicide attempts. Nearly 800,000 people die by suicide in the world each year, which is roughly one death every 40 seconds. Suicide is the second leading cause in the world for those aged between 15 to 24, and depression is the leading cause of why people attempt suicide. You see, I think the recent surge in celebrity suicides has actually caused suicide rates to go up. In fact, because celebrities are idolized, their lives and even their deaths are praised. People like Robin Williams, who passed away four years ago um, from uh, suicide. Chester Bennington, lead singer of Linkin Park. Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, these are just some of the more recent names that are out there and those that have committed suicide. In the four that I just mentioned, Robin, Chester, Kate, and Anthony, all four of them hung themselves. Kate Spade actually idolized Robin Williams' death and she recreated the scene of Robin Williams' own death with her own. Some of these things, I mean, talking about this, it's, it's hard, it's difficult. But there's reason for hope. I don't want you to like walk away like even more depressed than you were before when you walked in, maybe because you're tired or maybe because you actually have depression. But I think that there are some warning signs that we need to consider when thinking of our friends, when thinking of our family members, when even thinking about each other. Any one of these signs does not necessarily mean that the person is going to commit suicide, but several of these symptoms may signal a need for help. Verbal suicide threats such as, you'd be better off without me, or maybe I won't be around much longer. Expressions of hopelessness and helplessness, previous suicide attempts, daring or risk-taking behavior. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that 100% because I, I used to take risks and it wasn't because I was suicidal, it was because I was stupid. But that's a whole different thing. Personality changes, depression, 
giving away prized possessions, a lack of interest in future plans. Remember, eight out of ten people considering suicide give some sign of their intention. They do. Um, anytime that a, a celebrity commits suicide, the national hotline for suicide, uh, the calls go up. This last time when, when Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain uh, killed themselves in the same week, the, the national hotline saw a 220% spike in phone calls that came through that week. The widespread nature of the increase in every state but one. The suicide rate went up in 49 of our 50 states. Nevada was the only one that actually saw a decrease in the statistics. But I think that it suggests that this is a national problem that hits most communities. And you would think of all places, someone involved in the church. Of all places, a place where we talk about hope and we talk about Jesus and we talk about love and life and all these other things, how could it hit our community? As much as Orange County might have its own building, they are harvest. We are a part of that church. They are just another campus, if you will. And so this isn't just an Harvest Orange County thing. This is something that hits home to us as well. Six months ago, I got to visit, I didn't, well, I got to, but I also chose to visit a 13-year-old girl who had hung herself as well. Um, she wasn't successful because her parents found her in time barely breathing, but put on life support at Loma Linda Children's Hospital. And 13 years old, she was being bullied, she was being picked on at school, and basically belittled her whole life by friends, and she figured what was the point of living. And I want you to know that the, the reason you are alive today is because Jesus wants to do something with your life. He wants to do something amazing and extraordinary that maybe you've never seen before. And I think that it is hitting many places especially hard because of the fact that there are so many different things on social media or there are so many different ways that we try to um, make it more aware of what's happening. If you saw this last week on YouTube, Casey Neistat interviewed Logan Paul. If you remember Logan Paul's little Suicide Forest video from a little while back, he went into, in, in Japan, what's called the suicide forest, and he was like, oh, I did this because I wanted to uh, bring awareness to suicide, and in his video, unfiltered, was a body hanging from a tree, and it's like, dude, like, is that really the best way to bring awareness? And so, of course, since then, everyone has been questioning his motives and things like that, and so I, I don't want you to think that I come in here as an expert I don't come in here as an expert. I don't come in here as a, a, a person who knows it all. I, I had bouts of depression myself when I was your age. I had suicidal thoughts at your age, but I, I, don't, I, I don't have depression anymore. Um, I'm not saying my life is perfect and my life has been fixed, but I know that there are even things that we can't talk about because of the fact that there are genuine mental health issues out there. I know that some of you might have clinical depression, that it is a, a genuine diagnosis, and so I don't want to downplay or belittle some of the, the, the situations medically that you might be experiencing, but what I do want to say is that even despite your mental health issues, for a lack of a better term, I hate to say like a mental health issue as if there's something wrong with you, even though mental health is um, an epidemic today, I don't want you to think that I'm downplaying the seriousness of what you might be dealing with 
as well. And so it's an interesting thing to talk about. It can be tricky to um, talk to someone else about it because a lot of times, even when we're joking, when we disagree with someone on something, we kind of joke around like, oh, kill yourself, you know, like, or kill myself because I didn't get invited to a party or whatever else it might be. And I know that we do that even here at the church sometimes. I hear you guys kind of joke about those things as well. But I want you to understand that you matter. We care about you. We genuinely do. Whether we're throwing a dodgeball at you or throwing a water balloon at your face and your eyeball. I got hit with a water balloon at our, at our little thing. It wasn't fun. It hurt. But it doesn't mean that we don't care about you. It's not like, ha <laughs> revenge, you know. Um, it means that we, we genuinely want to have a relationship with you because we genuinely care about you and because, quite frankly, we only have two years with you. That's not very long. But what we do in this ministry, the things that we teach, and the reason we, op- we have you open your Bibles, which if you have a Bible, you can open to John 10.10. 10. I want that to be our main verse for this morning. The reason we do these things is because after the two years that you have experienced the junior high ministry here in Riverside, we want you to move on and to press on in your relationship to God. And so we're hoping to train you. We're hoping to bring to light what it means to follow Jesus so that you're not relying upon me but that, or any of our leadership, but that you're relying upon God. That's the important thing to understand here this morning. And so I want you to be mindful of a few things that I think can encourage all of us. Because the, the thought of someone else committing suicide, um, it, it might even cause for you anxiety or depression or worry or how am I going to fix my life or is my life worth living? The short answer is yes, but let me share with you from God's word what it says. My first thing that I want you to remember this morning, it's gonna come up on the screen, God has not left. God has not left. The reason I say that is because you could easily be in a relationship with someone else and that person could mean all the world to you and you can enjoy your time with that person but then for some reason you guys break up and the depression, the anxiety and all the questions of like what could I have done better so that we, we stay together longer or whatever it might be. Um, I think that we talk about those things because we genuinely want to see ourselves in a relationship with someone else and when someone leaves or when someone has left us or when we feel abandoned by family or friends, whatever it might be, you have to remember that God himself has not left. Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Another translation says that God is striding ahead of you, that he's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Don't be intimidated by life and don't worry about your situations because God is with you. God has not left. And we've shared this before, but I think that it, it continues to be a drum that we need to beat because we can so easily feel alone in a crowded room. We can walk into this place and sit down or be in a small group on Wednesday and feel like we're the only ones struggling with something like this. And we can feel desperate for attention, yet not wanting to put all the focus on ourselves. We're hoping that just one person would be interested in me. I think that depression can cause a person to feel a very deep sense of their, of their life feeling worthless and without reason. 
maybe you've asked yourself the question, what's the point of my life? What's the reason for whatever I might be dealing with? It feels like a lot of times we're all at a masquerade ball. We're all wearing a mask. No one can really see underneath it. We don't want anyone to um, see us exposed for who we are, so we put up a front and we don't allow certain people to know certain things about us because if they did, they might go and tell someone else or they might know our deepest, darkest secrets and we wouldn't have anything to hold on to when we feel alone. But I think the, the, the transparency of being here together, as the Bible says, as brothers and sisters, as a family unit, when it comes to the church family, we have an opportunity to be open and honest in a place where you can trust us. I hope that you understand that this morning. I hope that you understand that you can trust us when it comes to your feelings or your emotions or the different things that you're dealing with in life. And, and many of you have. Many of you have come up to me or some other leaders and you've been honest with us in the things that you've been dealing with. And I would encourage you to continue that act because it will continue to help you grow as you learn from some of us who have gone on before you and have dealt with some of these things as well. So everyone seems to be wearing a mask and no one can really see underneath the mask of what's actually going on. Maybe the brave aren't as courageous and the happy aren't always as joyful and the wise aren't always as smart, but this is the reality for even some of you. Maybe you've put on this mask and it tells everyone around you that you're fine, I'm good. When you walk up to someone, you say, hey, how you doing? The first most of us respond with, oh, I'm good, I'm I'm fine. Really, how good are you? No, I'm good. Like, leave me alone, you know? And, and even still, like, even when you're, when you're pressing that, that question on someone, it's like, would you just leave me alone? It's like, well, why do you want to be left alone? What's going on? And I, I've pressed some of you before on that, and it's like, just leave me alone, you weirdo. And it's like, you know what? Hey, I can't help but, but, but sense that maybe there's something going on. You see, the, 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 the spirit of the Lord has pressed upon our hearts as leaders here in this ministry to identify things that are going on, not just because we we believe that we have some sort of answer, although we do because we continue to point you to the Bible, but because we've also dealt with some of those things as well. Can you just for a moment, if you're a leader, can you stand up for me really quick so you can identify, look around this room, look at all these leaders here. You can identify with these leaders here in this room Hayden and Julia and Cyan and Jacob and Nathan, Ryan, Michael, Donnie, Robbie, myself, even Colton as a worship leader. You guys have people around you that you can talk to and, or, and Sarah, I didn't see you, I'm sorry, my, my apologies. Did I miss anyone else that's short and standing up? Okay. I'm sorry if that was mean, that was rude. We won't use this in the podcast, we'll use second service. Is that better? Okay. Um, you guys can sit down. But these These people are here not just because they get paid, because they don't. That's not why they do this. Otherwise, I don't think any of us would be here right now. Um, But they do it because they remember their junior high life. They remember their situations, and they remember their struggles, whether it was with a family member or a friend or it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever. Is that safe to say as a leader? Would you guys agree with that, like why you're here serving here today? Um, there, there's no monetary gain. There's no money involved in this, except for Ryan and I, because this is our job. But even still, I would do this even if I wasn't getting paid for it. You can take that to the bank, okay? Um, 
because there's, there's something unique about what's going on in your life that we understand because we used to be there just like you. And that's why we emphasize small groups so much. Not so that you can come another night and so we can be like, whoa, attendance is up, oh my gosh. But that you have an opportunity to actually sit down in a group of five to six, ten maybe even people and you have a leader that you can talk to and that you can be open and honest with about some of these things that are going on. So if you've been wearing a mask, take it off because we've tried to take ours off as well. Maybe you read your Bible, maybe you go to church, you play the games, you're thankful for the people you're surrounded by. Maybe you are in a small group and still yet something just seems to be missing. Let me ask you this question and be honest with yourself. It'll come up on the screen so you can write it down if you're taking notes. Do you actually believe that God keeps his word? We all kind of like nod like, yeah, I do, I do. Really? In, in, in a moment like this, yes, it can be very easy to believe that for sure. But what about when you're alone at home in your room and mom and dad won't let you go to the movies or they won't let you buy a certain thing you want or let you watch a certain thing that they don't approve of or it's a person that you want to hang out with and your parents don't approve of that or your parents just seem to yell at you all the time. Do you then believe that God keeps his word? For instance, if you read a verse like we did in, verse, uh, in Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 31, verse 8, do you believe that he will be with you and that he won't fail you? Do you believe that even in your own isolation with the door closed behind you with your headphones in, do you believe that he will be with you and that he won't fail you? I hope so, because did you know that above anyone else's situations, Jesus himself knows your situation the best. In fact, Isaiah 53 Verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted. When you're acquainted with something, it means that you're close to it. It means that it's something dear to you, if you will. He was acquainted with deepest grief. He, uh, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Listen, just as much as Jesus can relate to you, maybe you can relate to Jesus. Maybe you can relate to being someone of sorrow, someone who feels a deepest grief, and there's no turning back, there's no rope to reach you in your deep, dark pit. Maybe you have felt that people have turned their back on you and that they've looked the other way. Oh, she's fine. She'll deal with it. She'll figure it out. He's okay. He'll figure it out. Maybe you have been despised and maybe we haven't cared or maybe you have sensed a carelessness from other people. You see, there was a pressure for Jesus to be a particular person in the eyes of everyone else around him to deliver them from their particular things. But Jesus never said he came to be a military leader or a political leader. He came to be the Savior. And I can imagine that brought a lot of pressure for Jesus to be accepted by men. But the greatest thing that allowed Jesus to overcome this pressure in his life and that also gives you an opportunity to overcome the pressures in your life is to know that you're already accepted by the Father. You're already accepted by God. You don't have to change your looks. You don't have to change the way you walk or the way that you talk or the certain people you hang out with. You are already accepted by God. You see, when we put our emotions into a perspective of already being accepted by God, we can appreciate even more what he chose to do for us. Even someone like King David, living in darkness, as the Psalms say, 
He was running from King Saul who was trying to kill him and even living in pitch black caves. He wandered through a desert. It was in those times that David experienced the presence of God in such a real way. In fact, David wrote in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Talking to God for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But notice there in Psalm 23 verse 4, the scripture doesn't say, even though I have to stay in this valley, even though I have to stay in this valley, God will be with me. No, it says, even though I walk through the valley. You see, you don't have to get comfortable in your valley because a valley has a start and a valley has an end. You're not going to be in that valley forever. You are just passing through. So even in your situation, whether it's past, whether it's happening right now, or whether it will happen in the future, God has not left you. God will not leave you, and he promises to never leave you. The second thing I want to remind you of this morning is that you are loved. You are loved. When was the last time you went up to your mom or dad and you said that you loved them, or you gave them a hug, or you gave them a kiss? I think at your age, it's like, why would I do that? Like, that's gross. That's disgusting. Like, am I even allowed to do that? I thought that was for, like, little kids or, like, you know, girls who are getting married or something. Like, Daddy, I love you or whatever. Like, no, that, that I think, is something that needs to be communicated. And I think that it also needs to be reciprocated on, on your end. I think that I need to talk to your parents and, like, hey, when was the last time you told your kids that you loved them? I tell my kids probably in an annoying way so much how much I love them. I think because they're just so little right now and they, they're growing up so much and Finley's wanting to get a haircut and it's like, no, you can't get a haircut. Like, you're, you're still little. You're still tiny. Avery wants to do everything that Finley's doing. It's like, no, you're too little. Like, every time you, you get to hold your child and you'll see this in 20 years from now when you have your own kids um, and you hold your child and they just keep growing and growing and growing. It's like, okay, I want you to stay a baby again, you know? Like, there are going to be times when you feel unloved but God still loves you. And in fact, in this room, you are loved by so many people. The, these first service leaders get up early to be here, not for the candy, not for the coffee. We don't offer them coffee, although maybe we should because that might help. But I think that they're here for particular reasons. They're sitting next to you right now because they care about you, because they love you. The emotions that can lead to suicidal thoughts can make us feel sometimes like we're being pulled into a riptide with no lifeguard on duty. And some of you are like, I love doing that. I love going out into the riptide and not having a lifeguard on duty because it makes me feel awesome. Yeah, the few past beach trips we've had, we've had a few kids go out a little too far and it's like, yeah, you need to chill, bro. Like you're, you're two foot two and the wave is six foot and you can't, you can't swim. Like you need to chill out, okay? It's like, Finley has learned how to swim on her own. We didn't give her any classes, although we tried, and she was like, no, I'm swimming. She takes her floaty off. We have this awesome floaty. Maybe you've seen it. It has got the one arm, and it goes across the chest, and it's got the other arm. Those things are awesome. I want, like, an adult one, okay? Like, can I just, like, I just want to float. Um, regardless of that, she, she takes it off one time, and she jumps in the pool. I'm like, what? You, you what are you doing? Like, you can't just jump in the pool. And she's like, but I just want to swim. It's like, okay, that's great. But let's go through the proper, like, ways of teaching you how to swim. And sometimes it's like, I don't even care. I just want to go. I just want to, I just want to do this. Maybe you feel hopeless. But the Bible declares to you today that God's love for you is more than any other love you could possibly experience on earth. 
Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What this means is that even while you chose sin over God, he still sent his son Jesus to die in your place. Regardless of what you've thought about God or what you've experienced about God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. In fact, Romans 8.35 says, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that God no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or if we're persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? It goes on to say, I, I forgot to put it in my notes, but it goes on to say, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing here on earth, nothing in heaven, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present in your life, nor things to come in your life in the future. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And finally, I want to remind you that God meets you in the darkness. God meets you in the darkness. I think a lot of times the, the false idea that we have about God is that we need to fix up our life so that we can present it before God and he can be like, great job on your life. Like, you did so well. Like, thank you for reading your Bible. Like, that's awesome. Like, wow, you prayed to me? How cool is that? Wow, you must be really spiritual. Your, your, your relationship with me, like, we're on point right now. This is awesome. Like, you know, give yourself a high five because you're so awesome in your relationship to God or whatever. No. Turn to your neighbor and say no. Turn to them again and say, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. You don't fix up your life and then come to God like, look, Lord, I fixed my life. Here it is. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. That's not how it works. Uh-uh. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> God meets you in your darkness. He is there, right there with you. The psalmist says, even when I go to the depths of Sheol, when I put my bed in the deepest, darkest place, God, you are there. This is where the gospel meets you. The sadness you feel over your sin or the sadness you feel over something else going on in the world is exactly how you should feel. There's a reason you feel that way. There's a reason you have an emotional attachment to something because you care about what's going on. Maybe the darkness surrounding you is so real that you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Grief and disgust are entirely appropriate for our fallen world. It's okay to be disgusted with your sin. However, it's not okay to deal with it in a way that ends your life. If you've ever had thoughts like this, it's easy to condemn yourself for thinking such horrible things. Maybe you try to think of your happy place or whatever, but you and I must come to embrace the reality that we live in a fallen world. It is painful and it is broken. How many of you have ever, ever felt painful or broken or sad, emotional because of the world that we live in? because of your situation. Okay, just, just three of you? Okay, I'm only talking to three people. Okay, I'm just, just making sure. When abortion continues to be accepted as something normal, it's like, can we actually talk about what this actually is? This isn't just like giving a woman her rights or whatever. This is, you're, you're, you're committing murder. You're killing a baby. 
Can we talk about the, the, the devastation of the fires? Maybe you have family that are in them or, or surrounded by them and the devastation that that brings or the devastation of sex scandals and things like that. Like, can, can, can we be okay with the grief and the, and the pain and the anger and the brokenness that we experience in this world? Absolutely, it's okay. It's fine to feel that. It means you're human. But I think what it also means is that you know that there's something greater than what's going on. You see, God invites you to embrace this sadness, for on the other side lies hope as an anchor for your soul. It may only be a glimpse of hope, but it's enough hope to get you through the darkness. Have you heard God's voice asking, where are you? Where are you? Or maybe you've asked God, where are you? Where are you in my pain? Where are you in my grief? Now, of course, maybe you're thinking, well, you're a pastor. You have to say those things about God being with you in the darkness and things like that. Um, I can tell you from firsthand experience, even if I weren't a pastor here today, I'd be saying the same things. In my own grief and in my own depression, I was 13, my whole experience, you know it, being diagnosed with diabetes and things like that. For eight months, I went through depression. I went through what is the point? All my friends get to live a normal life, and here I am having to inject myself with needles to stay alive. And if I didn't have that medicine, I'd end up in the hospital and dead within a week. Like, okay, yeah, that's not very happy news, is it, uh, to a 13-year-old? Oh, hey, by the way, if you don't take your medicine, you'll die. Oh, great. That's the life I pictured. Thank you. No, it's not. Depression hit so hard, and I played the part, and I came to church, and I did the whole thing. But the reality is that when I gave God a chance... I saw God in a different light. And I wonder if you here today have told yourself, oh, I've tried giving God a chance, but yet I still feel all of this. Okay, well then, I think what that means to me is that you actually haven't given God a try. That you haven't actually opened your Bible and read and seen the promises of God. I think what, I think the, I think the thing that we're deceived by is that we're hoping that God will just audibly speak to us or when we open our Bible that he's just going to immediately like answer us like, oh my gosh, like wow, woo, that was awesome. You know, like, okay, God, like you, you revealed yourself. Um, that doesn't always happen like that in case you're wondering. It takes time and effort and above all, it takes faith to believe that what God says he can do, he will do in your life. And I believe that God can meet you in your darkness just as God met me in my darkness. There were times when I thought about suicide and I thought, well, what ways would be the easiest to just end it? What would be the least painful thing? And I think that Rick Warren um, hits it spot on when he says that suicide is a irreplaceable, irreparable, permanent solution to a temporary pain. And it's true, like, I didn't want to actually end my life, but I was so fed up with everything going on that it's like, well, what's the most painless way to go? I think because people don't really necessarily want to end their lives, they just don't know how to get rid of the pain. You see, Jesus understands your grief. He understands the feeling of being alone and ashamed, and he took all of that upon himself for you, and he died for your sins. 
and he restores the brokenness that you're experiencing in this world. If you're depressed, it can be dangerous to evaluate anything in your life. Don't criticize your circumstances or friendships or family because it's very easy to misinterpret the reality. Instead, simply say, I'm leaving this to God for now. I'll think about it later and I'll trust him to handle it. Because you know what? God is good. God is faithful. He loves you even when you don't feel like he does. He can handle your life even when you can't. Remember, faith is not a feeling. Faith is simply believing that God will do what he said even when it doesn't look like it. If you've dealt with depression or if you are currently dealing with depression, it can easily get, in, it, it can easily get stuck inside your head. Up seems down. Truth seems false. It's impossible to think straight at times. It's like looking upside down in a hall of darkened mirrors. If you're depressed, one of your greatest temptations might be to shut people out. And I get that. And sometimes we do it because we want people to feel bad for us so that they encourage us or make us feel better about ourselves. But it's really hard to let people into the cage of your life at times because maybe you feel like they can't handle it, okay? Then don't let people in, but let God in. Let God in. You need someone to gently remind you of what's real, a faithful friend to walk through the valley of depression with you. When your friend speaks the truth to you, it gives you something to grab onto. In the moments of darkness, don't believe for a moment what your mind is telling you. Believe the words of your faithful friend or your leader or even your pastor. Ultimately, your hope in depression hinges on Jesus because he's holding on to you even when it feels like you're free-falling. You may be in the dark, but your shepherd is walking right beside you. He knows what it's like to be overwhelmed by grief and swallowed by darkness. You may not always have a grip on life, but Jesus will always have a grip on you. God's goodness has an unshakable quality to it that is fully equipped to handle your questions, to handle your tears, to handle your rage, your doubts, and your grief, because faith, after all, is best suited for the darkness. If you have contemplated suicide, let me tell you this. As I said earlier, Pastor Rick Warren says, quote, suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. The truth is that many people don't actually want to end their lives. They just want to end their pain. The problem is that they see, maybe you see it, as the only way to end your pain. You don't have to die to end your pain because Jesus died to take your pain. It's like using a nuclear bomb to destroy a wasp's nest. Like, that, that's the most ineffective, damaging thing you could do. Oh my gosh, there's a wasp nest. What do we do? Nuclear bomb. Mr. President, give me the code. You know, like, that's not how you deal with a wasp's nest. You think it through. One, don't spray a hose because they can breathe after the water is gone from them and they will come attack you. I believe me from experience, okay? It hurts. Um, you have to get a special spray that you actually spray at night because they're, um, they go to sleep at night, like most Americans do. And it's like this irreversible, over-the-top effect of like, do I use a nuclear bomb or do I use the wasp spray? Uh, I think you know the answer to that. But here's, here's another thing, too. The emotion that you're feeling, did you know that no emotion can last forever? It might feel like a long time. It might feel like... It can last forever. The good emotion, the bad emotion, the high emotion, the low emotion, 
But the reality is that emotions are like waves. They swell, they create momentum, they crash on you, but they end up crashing and they wash away back into the ocean. No matter what you're feeling right now, you're not going to feel it forever. Maybe the depression you're experiencing right now is intense, but it cannot and it will not last forever. I want you to talk to someone today if you are feeling that. And you're like, well, no one will understand me. You know what? We will understand you as best because Jesus understands. I want you to talk to someone, but let me encourage you that you can also be comforted so that you can save a life. I want you to talk to someone if you are feeling that way, but at the same time, you also have an opportunity in the future to talk to someone about their own grief and pain and depression. I had you open to one verse, and I wanted to save it to the end because I think the, the proper perspective is in order. John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's Jesus talking, by the way. And the enemy, the thief, is Satan. Any emotion, any, any type of thing that you feel Satan will do everything in his power. He's good at what he does to try to steal from you joy, to try to kill the joy, and to try to cause you to end your own life. If that's the way you've ever felt, guess what? That's the thief who's trying to steal your life. But Jesus says, my purpose for you is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Not rich with money, but rich in its fullness So let me share with you now, if you think someone is considering suicide, if you know a friend or a family member who is considering suicide, think, think about these things. Trust your instincts that the person may be in trouble. Talk with the person about your concerns. Communication needs to include listening. That's, I think, a big thing that we need to do more of because we just want to be, well, let me show you the Bible. Let me show you this. I think the best way that we can uh, share the gospel is by listening. Ask direct questions without being judgmental. Determine if that person in your life has a specific plan to carry out their suicide. The more detailed the plan, the greater the risk might be. Get professional help, even if the person resists. Don't leave the person alone. Don't swear to secrecy. That's a big thing at your age. Look, I'm feeling this way, but don't tell anyone. And when you tell someone, someone else, that person that asks you not to say anything, feels betrayed, but it's like, I'm sorry, I'd rather you be alive than you dead. And let them know that. Like, hey, I told your mom, or I told your dad, or I called the cops, because I'd rather you be mad at me and alive than dead and no emotion at all. Don't act shocked or judgmental. Don't counsel the person yourself. Find professional help, whether it's your parents or their parents, or a pastor, or a leader, or someone else beside yourself. Think on those things if you know someone who's, who's uh, considering that or if even you have considered that as well. I want to pray with you because I believe that there are a lot of emotions in this room right now and you're like, wow, what a depressing way to end or to start my Sunday. Um, don't be depressed by what was said. Be encouraged by the hope that you can have. Let's pray. I would like for everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, please.
all heads bowed, all eyes closed. I don't want you to look around. I'm going to ask some pretty honest questions right now. And I want you to be honest with me, but I want you to also know that you can be honest here and transparent here, that we love you and we want to encourage you. So let me ask you, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, please don't look around. If you've ever felt suicidal or depressed in your life, I want you to raise your hand, please. All right, thank you, thank you. Keep your hand up, please. Thank you, thank you. Okay, thank you. You can put it down. If you are currently feeling that way, can you raise your hand, please? All right, thank you. Thank you. Okay, you can put your hand down. If you haven't reached out for help, can you raise your hand, please? Okay, thank you. If you haven't trusted in God through your depression or your suicidal thoughts, can you raise your hand, please? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. What my reason for asking those questions is today is a new day. The Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Depression passes away. Emotions pass away. Thoughts of suicide can pass away. And being a new creation in Christ means that you can have a new life. That anything that you have felt identified by you're no longer identified by that. You're no longer identified by your emotions, by your depression, by your suicidal thoughts. You are no longer identified as emo or a loner or something's wrong with her, something's wrong with him. You're no longer identified by that. Jesus says you can be identified at the fact that you have victory and I think a lot of times we feel like we'll never have victory over depression or our suicidal thoughts or our cutting or whatever else, the music that we listen to that just encourages our depression. But the Bible says that you can have victory over those things. Victory means that you win. It means that you win, but you don't do it on your own. Jesus has won it for you. And so I hope more than any other time in all of our history as a ministry, whether it was a camp or a special activity or even just another Sunday, that you have experienced and felt his presence here today more than ever. Because he's here. And because he knows you, he sees you, he understands you. When no one else does, he gets it. Would you please cling to that today? Would you please try from here on out? People say all the time, oh, I've given God a chance, but he just, it didn't, it didn't work. I think it's because you didn't try, because it didn't work, because you didn't work. The Bible says to work out your own salvation, to believe by faith. You may not see results right away, but as you trust in him as your source of hope, as you change your source from depression to hope, 
Jesus will start to reveal himself to you. So I want you right now in the quietness of your heart to just pray and just pray to God. Cry out. The psalmist says, I cry out to God and he hears me even in the darkest of places. Even though it may not be a physical, literal darkness, it might be a psychological darkness, an emotional darkness. Whatever darkness you might be experiencing, God is reaching his hand out and he is saying, I love you. You are worth something. You are worth everything to Jesus. The Bible says that he went to the cross with joy in his heart because he knew what he went there to do which was to die for your brokenness, to die for your pain, to die for your sorrow, to die for your grief, to die for your depression, to die for your suicidal thoughts, to die for your loneliness. He came to do all of that. And with you in mind, knowing how you feel, knowing how you've felt, and knowing how you will feel, Jesus died for you. So in the quietness of your heart, every single person in this room, I want you to say to yourself, Jesus died for me. And in this moment, I would ask that you would just simply, after service, come talk to someone. I will be here. Ryan will be here. Cyan will be here. Sarah, Peyton, Donnie, Robbie, Nathan, Michael, all of us will be here for you to pray. No one's going to judge you because we all need prayer always. Come talk to us after service. Father, you see the hearts in this room. You see every single person, and every single person's situations are all different. But Lord, we all have one source of hope, and it is your son, Jesus. And so we commit ourselves to you, God, and we pray as we continue in our worship that you would be satisfied, but Lord, that you would also be present and real in this place with us. In Jesus' name. Jesus, what a Savior, what a brother, what a friend, lives Jimmy.